Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Thanks for listening to Creative Control. Uh, while I have you here, please consider supporting Youth Empowerment and Support Services, otherwise known as YES. Based in Edmonton, Alberta, YES provides immediate and low-barrier overnight and day shelter, temporary supportive housing, and individualized wraparound supports for young people aged 15 to 24. They work collaboratively within a network of care focused on the prevention of youth homelessness by providing youth with the necessary supports to stabilize their housing, improve their well-being, build life skills, connect with community, and avoid re-entry into homelessness. Learn more about how to donate or otherwise support YES by visiting YESS.org. Hi, I'm Jed Bodwin, and I live in Wichita, Kansas. I am a Patreon supporter for Creative Control. I discovered Creative Control some years ago, I think maybe while looking for interviews with Tommy Stinson of The Replacements, and uh, I stumbled across this conversation that Vish had with Tommy Stinson that was really insightful. Vish held his own. I think Tommy can be a little bit of a difficult interview at times, and it went really well, and it really uh, got into some areas that I wasn't expecting, and I thought, gosh, I have to listen to more of this guy and his podcast. Sometimes I'm not necessarily a fan of the music or musicians that uh, Vish will have on the show, but I always appreciate their creative process a little bit more. And uh, more times than not, though, it does lead me to uh, finding a new musical artist that I'm interested in or to think a little bit differently about maybe some artists whose work I've overlooked. So, you know, go ahead, and if you've been waiting at all to support Vish and Creative Control, now is probably the best time to do it. I know as a public radio employee here in Kansas, listener-supported broadcasting, whether it's podcasts or radio itself, really isn't a thing of the past. It's actually very much a thing of both the present and the future. So, yay Vish, yay Creative Control. To make your flexible monthly donation to Creative Control, Please visit patreon.com slash creative control today. Marcus Floats is a musician and soundscape artist currently based in Montreal, Quebec. 
Originally from Calgary, Alberta, Floats is an electroacoustics graduate from Concordia University. Following stints in bands that may be called punk, post-punk, and or Afrofuturist, he has taken to creating more drone-oriented or synthesized sounds with a laptop computer. His latest LP is called Fourth Album, which was released by Constellation Records on October 20th, 2023, and it prompted Marcus and I to reconnect and have a good talk about things like mixing theater productions in Montreal, why he shifted from solitary to collaborative working methods for his new album, and inviting members of Egyptian Cotton Orchestra to improvise to his electronic compositions, incorporating a process-oriented Cohen and the voice of poet and activist Fred Moten, problems and solutions when art is never finished, his interest in tarot cards, magic, and astrology, the hopeful qualities of fourth album, playing shows, other future plans, and much more. A part of the Entertainment One Network with the support of listeners like you who follow and subscribe to this donor-driven podcast and spread the word about it and make flexible monthly donations at patreon.com slash creativecontrol, plus in-kind support from Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, Ontario, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario. This is episode 810 of Creative Control, featuring the lovely and talented Marcus Floats with your host, me, Vish Khanna. Hi, Marcus. How's it going? Terrible. No, it's going great. How are you? <laughs> uh, good. You sure? As you said, you started <laughs> off rough there. Everything all right? Everything is going quite well. Life is good. Okay, good. Well, it's nice to uh, have you back on the show. Where in the world are you today? I am at home in uh, Jojage, Montreal, just sitting in my little basement apartment, chilling. Nice. How are things going in Montreal generally? I can only speak for myself, but like quite, quite well. Yes. Uh, generally, the vibe I'm getting is like uh, pretty nice. <laughs> Un- unseasonably warm and yeah. i think that's uh getting people putting people in a pretty good mood yeah 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 as i recall uh from our last conversation you are something of a homebody is that a proper i mean sorry I should also say when we last spoke it was the year i think it was 2020 right yeah i think it was like a couple months in to the pandemic right right and i think maybe if i if memory serves uh, you were like, I'm okay with this. Uh, this isn't that unusual for me to mostly stick around my, my house. Is that right? Yep, yep. That, I think that still holds true. Although right now I'm working like Montreal full time, which is like 30 hours, 35 hours a week. Oh, okay. So I'm out of the house the past two weeks. But before that, yeah, like days at a time at home. Did you want to talk a little bit about your new... Uh Location, or is it not? Uh, is it not that interesting? <laughs> is it interesting? I'm doing I'm doing sound for theater. Oh, that's that sounds very interesting. It's pretty fun, yeah. Like uh, last year, I was doing sound for children's theater. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just hopping in, doing that. And uh, this year, I'm doing uh, my first grown up show, 
so we're building up like from the the ground up and it's been it's been really fun oh cool had you done anything like that before like live theater sound no i how do i get into this uh pure cronyism someone i worked with recommended me for this thing that i wasn't sure if i could do and apparently i could (laughs) (laughs) so can you characterize the difference between uh doing live sound for a, a theater production versus you know I mean, I presume I forget. Do you have some background in mixing live bands or anything like that? More or less, yeah. kind of. I went to school for it. I did electroacoustics at Concordia, mm-hmm. so like I very comfortable behind a board kind of thing. Uh, but I haven't really mixed bands except for like Drones Club, which was mm-hmm. this sketchy venue that I ran for a bunch of years with a bunch of bros. <laughs> <laughs> It's nice to hear someone self-aware enough to say the thing I did was sort of sketchy. But you're saying the venue itself was a little sketchy. I think uh, top to bottom, it was like it's one of those things where, like, looking back, I was like, "Oh God, I would never do that again," or like, I would do it very differently. Hmm. Like we had this great opportunity, and we kind of just. Uh, I think we kind of shit the bed. Oh, can I swear on this? Is that yes? You can say bed. No, yeah, you can swear. You can swear. You can yeah, if you if you if you feel compelled to curse for emphasis yeah. or to just yell at me, why not? Go for it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, we had this this space that apparently had just been passed down for like a decade, like a Montreal staple underground venue kind of thing called Drones Club and we just put on a bunch of shows. It was a uh, pretty broy. We didn't do a great job of uh, providing Safety, oh, I would say, I hmm. and I think we could have done a much better job. But we had some good times, and I think a lot of people had some good times there. So, yeah. you know, you do your best. Well, I again, I appreciate the self awareness and uh, that you've learned something from that experience. Have you done anything like that since, in terms of uh, having a role like that? Nope. Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. But the theater stuff, yeah. uh, back to my question. So uh, right. w- the complexity of mixing live theater, how complicated is it uh, to... And what do you do? Is it mostly the voices? Is it is it soundscapes? Is it effects? What, what, what are you doing there? What am I doing? I, uh, I am running the board for the show. Okay. So I'm just mixing everything. I'm sitting behind the board. There's going to be 20 wireless mics and eight-piece band. And Q Lab, which is feeding the sound effects. Wow. And stage, I don't know. Yeah, it's just like a bunch of stuff. And I, it's my job to make it sound cohesive. But I, it's, it's, it's like a team of four, yeah. four people. And we're building the theater up from the ground. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a fun challenge. It's a new venture, like for everyone involved? I'm definitely the newest one there. Okay. Like the, the two heads are like seasoned 20 plus years kind of, kind of, kind of dudes. Oh, okay. Well, look, I'm, yeah. I'm glad you're getting out of the house. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it sounds, it's my day job. It sounds like it's it's interesting. It's a, is it a long-term uh, job? Yeah, yeah, I've been there for like a year and a half, two oh, years. Good. But it's it's like production by production, so good. Okay. I'm usually in for like a month and then three months off kind of thing. That sounds almost ideal, is it? It's so great. Yeah. I love I love not working. It's my favorite thing. I love making a bunch of money and then not worrying about money for three, four months and then worrying about money and having a job there. Right. <laughs> right. Well, that sounds good. Is it? Is it a situation where like other uh, uh, realms, 
live performance realms that uh, business is picking up it's it's people are coming out is it doing well i think it's doing well yeah last i heard most of the, there's like it could be a run of i think eight shows and they're all almost sold out so yeah people are itching itching for live theater yeah well, good for you. That's great. I was not expecting... Sorry for going on and on about it. I just wasn't... Uh, didn't know this was part of your uh, repertoire, if that makes sense. No, no. Fair, yeah. Yeah. This is uh, how I make most of my money. Yeah. No, that's great. Well, it affords you the ability to make uh, really cool records like this This one that we're talking about today, a fourth album. Congratulations on this. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really happy. Yeah, let's talk about <laughs> my life as a musician. Um <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm really happy with this album and uh, very excited for the world to hear it. Yeah. Now, there's some, I think, obvious distinctions for those of us who, uh, certainly for those of us who dug into third album, uh, which, uh, again, that's what the, I think that was the occasion we last spoke for. And again, that was uh, just in the beginning of the pandemic there. But a record, third album was a record made in relative isolation. Is that fair? Uh, yep. Yeah. That was, uh, yep, me me in the bedroom, just plucking away. <laughs> <laughs> and the fun, and the finished product was that. There were no uh, additional collaborators, as I recall. Yeah, it yeah. was all, all me, top to bottom. Yeah. So the distinction, obviously, on fourth album is that's not the case, is that... You you that have col- you have collaborators. Let's let's talk about what prompted uh, that decision on your part to leave the bedroom uh, mm-hmm. and enter the hotel to tango with with other folks. How did this record begin to take shape conceptually um, for you before we get to the actual uh, uh, songs themselves, the pieces themselves? Can you can you talk about where your mind was at when you're like, I think I need to do something different. Let's see. I think originally. When I first started working on it, I assumed it would be the same as the third album of just like, I'm just going to do everything and hopefully it turns out all right. But um, if, I think if I'm being honest, it was like I applied for a Canada Council grant, so I had to figure out a way to make it sound like I was not just <laughs> a bedroom producer you know mm, i was yeah. like oh yeah i'm uh exploring new territories but i've been playing with this uh free jazz group called egyptian cotton orchestra mm-hmm. um with ari swan lucas wang and james godard and it just seemed like a great opportunity to like i just trust them as musicians so much and i had these songs and so the idea was to get them to play in the songs and that's that's what happened. <laughs> right. Okay. So what what can you you you'd mention them by name? What is the instrumentation mm-hmm. of this ensemble? So Ari is a on violin. Uh James is playing saxophone and imbira and Lucas is playing guitar and drums. Guitar and drums together at once? Uh, How no, <laughs> can't do that. Can no, you? no, no. no. Okay. Separate tracks. Yeah. Right. yeah. Okay. Good. Just making sure. I saw that and I was like, how's he doing that? You know, yeah, there was a guy who used to do that, and uh, there have been never many people who could do that, and they pull it off somehow. Anyway, that's... Oh, yeah. Like, uh, who am I thinking of? Cousins. Yeah, that's right. Cousins, a lo- yeah. lonesome organist also, I think, used to do... Right, right. Maybe there was guitar. I don't remember. He did, I guess it was organ and drums. Maybe there was some guitar, too, but just these multi-faceted, uh, uh, multitasking musicians, they're always kind of 
it's just a bewildering thing to witness. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah, yeah. I, I, the amount of coordination involved with uh, something else. No, no, these are individual tracks. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So you meant you, uh, you graciously mentioned what your collaborators are playing. Uh, what about yourself? What are you doing if you're all on stage in this uh, in this orchestra? Oh, as Egyptian Cotton Orchestra, I play bass, electric bass. Mm -hmm. uh, that's my role. Uh, on this album, I would call myself the composer doing electronics and arranging. Mm -hmm. So I kind of like came up with the, the bass tracks and then went to the studio and they all just improvised on top with like very little rehearsal. This is fascinating to me. So... So you created these, uh, I guess, what, electronic compositions? Is that a way of putting it? Yeah, I think that's a pretty yeah. good way. Yeah, so so you literally, you created these things, uh, and the, the things we're hearing on the record, um, is that pretty much what your collaborators heard? Or I know you sort of had to take what they improvised and then, you know, I, I, I gather you molded it mm -hmm. to what your structures were. Is that correct? More or less, yeah. Um, yeah. I would say the, the electronic parts ended up not changing all that much, uh, except for like maybe some, like making things quieter to make room for the instruments on top. But mm -hmm. um, yeah, for the most part, the form, the structure, and the sounds were what the musicians heard. And then okay. they did their magic on top, you know? <laughs> it's really wonderful. Like I have to say, it, it really gives it uh, a real dynamic uh, range, and and I I don't know. I find it. I also found it. I find it mood wise to be sort of um, warm, upbeat, hmm. upbeat somehow. I mean, upbeat. You know what I mean. But I, it just feels like. I mean, despite the fact that that some of the titles here are like uh, uh, death. And then uh, yeah. later, <laughs> death part two. Like it, it has a dark heaven is each other. Like there's some darkness here, but I I don't know what it says about it's. This is obviously my own interpretation, my subjective feeling about it. But um, mm -hmm. what about in terms of the sentiment of what you came up with? First of all, um, did it feel a little more sunny than maybe other things you've done? Honestly, no. I feel like this is like a really sad album <laughs> or like there's like it feels weighty in this way that like third album was kind of a uh, ethereal is maybe sure. something i was going for and this one there's like a earthiness to it it feels very grounded well it feels pensive but i don't know what it is about it uh, for some reason i find it soothing as opposed oh. to I, I don't know i don't feel like i'm in the doldrums with it if that makes sense uh okay I don't know what that... Maybe I'm just in a good mood. Uh, <laughs> I don't think I am, but I, I... Particularly every time I press play, but um, I don't know. That was just my read on it. Um, and, and then I think partially where I'm coming from is the fact that you, uh, again, broke out of a, an isolated realm and mm -hmm. brought in collaborators suggests a sort of community aspect, I suppose, um, to the songs. Am I reading too much into this, or do you feel like that was part of your beyond just wanting to play with or involve your friends mm -hmm. um it feels like some sort of outreach is being done by you here i'm out of the bedroom i'm bringing in some people to work with that is a gesture and a signal that i'm maybe out of a coming out of some sort of shell does that make sense it does make sense 
I feel like I won't be able to answer that question for like another 10 years. Uh, 10 years? We have to book another conversation yeah. in 10 years just to figure this out? Oh, okay. Yeah. I'll put it. So, I'll send you a calendar invite. No, I'm kidding. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean you're still processing? Yeah, I feel like I'm still like too close to it. Like, it sounds cheesy, but uh, it's hard for me to parse what my intentions with the album were. I mm. kind of just like had this work to do, and then I did the work, and then asked people to help me do the work. Right. So, okay. And I and I appreciate yeah. what you're saying about that. Mm. However, yes. I will I will follow up by saying your interpretation is that it was a heavier. It was coming from rather a heavier place at least your contributions your or rather your structures do you have yeah. a handle beyond this record do you have a handle on why that might have been the case what was going on at the time you were working on these things that uh sorry i sound naive like i've never been on planet earth uh i, I understand <laughs> that things are rough and it's a hard time but do you have a specific sense of maybe what drew you to in your own words, I suppose, or or at least in, I'm going to paraphrase, creating more of a darkly textured soundscape. Um, do, do, can you can you talk about that a little bit? Where you were coming from personally? Can I talk about it? Um, I feel like I I wish I had a good answer. I'm really sorry I don't. Uh, no, it's it's fine. This is not easy. I mean, it's not easy stuff, and like it's interesting that we are coming to this somewhat oppositionally where mm-hmm. I'm picking up on warmth and some measure of triumph, I suppose. I mean, mm-hmm. even there's a spoken word portion of of this uh, record. You've sampled something. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, it's a sample of uh, Fred Moten. Right. Yeah, a poet and author and professor. Fred Moten, yes. Poet and activist, yes. So shall I just read... I don't want to put you on the spot. I have it in front of me. Can I read to people what it what he's uh, what what he's saying and why? It, and then we can get into why it's on the record. Absolutely, yeah. Okay, so what the quote I have here is: "What we've been trying to figure out how to get to is how we are when we get together to try to figure it out." It's a bit grammatically complex. Did I say that correctly? I think there's an extra, you threw in an extra try, but I could be wrong as well. Okay, I'm, I'm reading literally what's on the bio here or on the Constellation page. What we've been trying to figure out how to get to is how we are when we get together to try to figure it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that sounds right. That okay, sounds yeah. right. Okay, so let's talk about what inspired you to, well, sorry, what was it about this phrasing that spoke to you, first of all? Can you, can you, can you speak to that? I think I can speak to that. Uh, let me let me take a crack at it in this interview. <laughs> uh, so uh, James had this saying, or like, yeah, James, which is whenever someone was like new to a music scene or wanted to get involved in like community work in any way, it was just like, you know, it, it's very intimidating to just like show up somewhere. Mm-hmm. Be like, oh, I want to volunteer for so and so. And you show up and no one really knows what to do with you, yada, yada, yada. But his saying was just like, show up and keep showing up. And like, no matter how awkward it is, no matter how useless you feel, you just like, that's literally all it is. So I've been using that sample here and there in my live show, just because I tend to use a lot of uh, samples from texts. 
in my live show, it provides like a nice grounding force, I find. Mm-hmm. And the thing about that specific quote is I feel like it touches on the idea that the solutions that we're trying to find to problems is often not about the solution, if that makes sense. I mean, that's this is what the quote is saying, is like, getting together to figure it out is quite possibly the most important part of figuring out, or like, it is the the seed of figuring out the solution. It's a chicken or egg thing, because uh, ideally, if you have a problem, you want a solution. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want to figure out a solution. But I think some people like the problem. Uh, yeah. Like they they enjoy engaging with the problem. In fact, the solution can almost be anticlimactic. Like the problem is what drives people to try things and experiment. And then when you get to a solution, I think some people have difficulty with the notion that the problem is finished. It's done. Does that make sense? I think that makes sense. But I think we're also talking about different types of problems. Well, of course. I, yeah. I, I, of course. I just think that I've had the experience of like, in in your community, you're trying to figure like, okay, for example, if there's a problem in your community with accessible venues, mm-hmm. accessible in every sense of the word, and yep. um, you and your friends and your colleagues work and work and work towards getting it, and it becomes like a a daily concern. Yeah. And at some point you have breakthrough moments and, and then you have setbacks and then breakthroughs and setbacks. And then when you finally um, feel like you've gotten to... And usually, you know, the solution is some compromise of it wasn't really what you wanted, but it's close enough. I don't know. There's a weird, that's a weird emotion at the end of that journey of, <laughs> of like, okay, we, we, we have some semblance of a solution. Yeah. Is it perfect? Is it not? You know, whatever. It's just, that's a weird letting go of something you've been engaged with for a long time. So breaking into a community um, and, and establishing yourself as, a community member um, is a huge challenge. Um, Mm -hmm. But then when you get there or you feel like you're there, uh, that's an emotional thing. Oh, I, I'm, I feel part of this thing and, but I still, I'm hanging on to that alienation I had before. I'm babbling a little bit here, but I feel like there's a lot going on in this grammatically complex quote. Um, Mm -hmm. And I'm curious as to, as to why, I mean, that was my original question. Just like you, you mentioned why I, I think, and you mentioned you, is your bandmate James, the one you were referring to? Yeah, 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 James Cotard. Yeah. Um, I, I think what I'm really... I think this might relate to an idea that I have with maybe my painting as well, mm-hmm. of sort of like the finished product, or like, I guess in your example, the solution. The idea of the solution, the finished product, the thing that you're working towards is in some ways immaterial, to the effort you put into it initially and throughout. Yeah. So, like, if you're only interested in solving the problem, you might miss the fact that the process of solving the problem changes you and your community. And that in itself will solve other problems. Sure. That's... Like, it it, it will stop other problems from arising. Like, that process. Yeah. I mean, yeah. the fact that you invoked your painting is, I think, 
it's really material to this discussion. Like I'm looking at the cover art for fourth album. Marcus, you you painted this. Is that correct? That is correct. And and how would you characterize for those who can't see it right now? And I've I've I'll I'll place links and stuff in the show notes so people can uh, hopefully purchase uh, this album among other things. If Please not, do. just hear it. Yeah, grab a physical copy. I have one, and it's it's beautiful. Can you? This is going to be a hard one, but can you uh, describe this this painting to folks um, listening in some way? I, all I'll say is it's very colorful. It's very beautiful. Um, mm-hmm. But how would you describe what is kind of going on? Um, I might make a few noises because I actually have the painting like right next to me. So I'm oh, excellent. Look at it. Sure. Uh, it's going to be a little loud. Does it have a? I'm sorry, I don't have this in front of me. Does it? Does this painting have a title? Uh, nope. Okay. None of my paintings have titles until someone. I mean, it's the same with my 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 music. I don't. The titles are the last thing I do. Yeah. Okay. So this this painting. So the colors are. Like white, yellow, turquoise, red, green, brown, pink, and black, mm-hmm. and like some maroon in there. There's, <laughs> I, I, is this interesting to me? Like try and describe a painting. Well, I what I want to get to like, with does it, it is make good radio. It's a well, we're not on the radio. Eh? <laughs> we're on a podcast. <laughs> I appreciate your concerns. Um, this is a. Is this an abstract painting? This is this is an abstract painting. Yes. Oh. You know, yeah. by the way, to my eye, you're going to think I'm silly. I almost see a face towards the bottom. Mm-hmm. Is that? Am I? That's, that's it's not on purpose. Right. <laughs> the reason I wanted <laughs> but, to bring up the painting, if I and I don't mean to put you through this torture of describing a painting uh, on an audio platform. Let's look at it back to what we were talking about. This painting. You start this painting. The canvas is blank. I am presuming, right? It's a correct. The yeah. canvas is a problem, <laughs> and you the begin. Canvas. The canvas is a problem, and you begin to express yourself. And in the in the mode of an abstract painter, you you're expressing yourself, and it's a it's a lot of color, and mm-hmm. it's it's not particularly uh, linear in the sense that you're doing a portrait or or something like that. You're not depicting something. So the, my question, I suppose, going back to this quote and what we were just talking about in terms of problems and solutions is you had to make a call as to when this was finished, when this was solved to you. Like, the, I mean, on some level, you could have kept going, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Like, Absolutely. I, 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 I think I will. <laughs> oh, you might, I, I don't think you, it's done. Right. I think, I, yeah. So that is fascinating to me in itself. That you've created something and you have to decide. Just so people understand, this album is out. Uh, like the, rather, the, the record has been printed. It's it's published. It's pressed. The artwork yes. is done in that regard. But and we all heard it. We all heard Marcus say, "This painting might not be done." That's fascinating yeah. in itself. What does that mean? That you are you not capable of letting go? Are you unsatisfied? Why would you keep working on this? The, like honestly, I I have this idea of you know have there's like there's like little squiggles on that kind of like sit on top of everything, mm-hmm. and I wanted to do another layer of yellow squiggles, and I think that would have made like a nice contrast to the the bluey turquoise mm-hmm. and sort of like added another layer of depth. But also, when we were picking album art, 
I don't know. This this uh, like this is a crop of a larger painting. Yeah. The the cover and the print is inside. I don't know. It looked good. <laughs> it, it looked good, but you're not done. So, do you see a correlation between your work as a painter who might not be done with a painting, so to speak, mm-hmm. uh, and your work as a as a musician? Do you do you dwell on music in the same regard? Is it ever done to you? Absolutely not. No, I think that's part of why I chose the naming convention that I did of just numbering them. It's right. like the idea that. Eventually, I want to do another one, and I want it to be different. Like, I feel like I'm not working towards, in the same way that, like, working towards a solution. Like, I'm not trying to figure something out. I am trying to figure something out. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I hope it's not too reductive to get into uh, an argument about or a discussion about how every piece of art is ostensibly uh, a self-made problem uh, mm-hmm. that people must, at some point, decide has been solved. But if yeah. you think about how we capture songs, again, people I admire, and I'm not going to go on and on about them, but but Bob Dylan is someone I admire for this exact reason. The recording of the album he has sort of expressed philosophically is just what happened that day. Um, mm-hmm. We're going to take these things on the road, and 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 they're going to be performed every night and that's its own thing um, right. and on some level it's not that uh, novel a concept I mean pretty much everyone does that they make a record and then they but I think the distinction I'm drawing is he will try or rather others tend to try to emulate the recording for the sake right. of their fans for the sake of familiarity for the sake of their own safety uh, performing a piece of music it's going to go a certain way whereas mm-hmm. people like Dylan and others are like, or Fugazi, and for in my that's another example for me when I was younger, going to see them. The songs were a structure, but they there was lots of room within them to defy the structure on some level. So anyway, sorry, it seems to me you're in a similar mode if you're interested in altering what was something that was frozen in time via mm-hmm. an album art uh cover that you're still going to, you say, you're going to still, and you just mentioned a print of the painting is in the the album packaging, but then if anyone were to visit you and look at this painting, it sounds like it would be different in a a little while. That that very well might be the case, yeah. Yeah. What's that say about you? Let's figure this out. I just want to figure out where this is coming from, this notion of constant change, particularly... Uh, it's someone who engages in synthesis, right? I mean, if you're mm-hmm. going to play these songs from fourth album, potentially with this ensemble live, mm-hmm. is what you're doing going to be changed? Would, would sorry, if I'm, I'm speculating that there would be shows, and you can, we can get to that. But would you see a lot of oscillation? Would things be changing in the um, structures that you lay down? Honestly, like I truly doubt I'll ever play these songs in in this way or like like if you came to my show unless i just like sat by pressed play (laughs) you would never hear these songs in this form yeah as they are in the album um partly because all of the 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 instruments were played improvisationally Mm -hmm. uh like these aren't parts that they wrote they're just like 
got in the studio and noodled. And yeah. then afterwards, I assembled. And my live show is inconsistent at best. It's also a lot of improvisation, uh, usually a lot of live synthesis and sound manipulation. Right. That's that's though. live, though. But in, on this record, uh, from what you, I think you said this earlier, when you guys entered the studio, your colleagues improvised over f- fixed structures that you had created. Is that an accurate way of putting it? Yeah, yeah. I think that's 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 accurate. So well, what is that? So, like, that's interesting. <laughs> that's interesting. You're fixed. They're free. Yeah. Part of me wants to, like, uh, hearken, hearken back to, like, uh, the... Tape music, I guess, was what they called it. Sort of a fixed media, like, okay, I have these samples I'm going to play, or, like, I have these these reels of tape, and the performance is me playing these things that I've already assembled in a studio. So, yeah, if I were to play live, it would just... Or, like, I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know what was happening with this... uh, (laughs) <laughs> just trying my best but, you know? but could you not I, I hear what you're saying that if you were to take you, I think actually what you said is you would never play these live but would it not be somewhat interesting for you to at least play one show with Marcus Floats and the Egyptian Cotton Orchestra yeah is I that, think it would be interesting we've, we've talked about it it's not in the cards yet I feel like it's likely to happen ah okay yeah okay but we're still working out exactly what that looks and sounds like, I think. Okay. Let's go back to some of the themes that I, I, I picked up, at least sonically, but I think we can also use the um, titles mm-hmm. as a bit of a guidance. You suggested that the album title itself is something that you don't do until maybe the last minute or something like that. Oh, well, sorry, at this point you've come up with a convention, third album, fourth album. Mm-hmm. Song titles for pieces like this, Where when do they arrive for you? Are they... At what point? Very end. Uh, The song titles I made right before I sent them to be mastered. Okay. (laughs) And and do they they connote anything in particular about the sound of each piece? No. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I think, uh, like like with third album, I tried to make them sequentially significant. So so they feel like... uh, like a sentence or like a poem. And on this one, I have been pulling tarot cards on a regular basis, like almost daily for a year Hmm. and a half now. So there's like this deep subconscious uh, Jungian symbolism. Hmm. So there's like a lot of reference to like Midheaven, you know, uh, the death card, and just sort of like the ideas around those concepts as dualist right anyways is that is that the question <laughs> well that's that's the answer to what i yes i think so are you saying that uh, so there's let me see here there's 10 no wait sorry there's 12 pieces here mm-hmm. in going through the naming process were you pulling cards for each piece one at a time i tried that and it it sucked so I didn't do that, but uh, <laughs> death death ended up staying. That's one of my my favorite cards. Uh, death, midheaven is kind of a nod to uh, astrology, I guess. Hmm. 
It's like the idea of the point directly opposite you in the sky is the midheaven, I think. Heaven Needs Each Other is actually a, the other half of uh, Hell is Other People is the idea that heaven needs each other. Hmm. Anyways, yeah, there's just like a couple fun little ideas that got floating around. I, I really just like made a list of songs, of uh, titles, and then picked the ones that made sense. It took like hours. <laughs> I see. Okay. What got you into... I, I'm, I'm, I apologize. Uh, I'm not... Uh, I'm not into uh, tarot card stuff. I don't know that much about it. However, I have noticed on my social media feeds that a lot of people I know are and mm-hmm. are engaging with it, uh, providing readings for other people, like people doing it that surprised me that that, that would be something they were interested in. Um, can you enlighten me and maybe some of the folks listening? Like what got you into tarot cards per se and and how does it help you? Like what's the benefit of it? Yeah, what did get me into it? Uh, I started, <laughs> it was just like an impulse thing during the pandemic. I was like, okay, here is this thing that I've been, like, I've always been interested in, like, magic as a, a general idea, mm. practice. Uh, like, I was into, like, Aleister Crowley as a teenager, you know, read The Invisibles, Grant Morrison, that kind of thing. Um, but as I got older, I was like, okay, there's actually, like, it's not that tarot or astrology is, like, real quote unquote but it is i find very useful of tapping into ideas that are pretty universal i think yeah and it's just a way of like bypassing your conscious mind into your subconscious and being like okay so you get this card and you stop thinking about in half an hour but three days later you think back be like oh i got this card and now I can asso- make this association. And as you keep doing it, the associations just get stronger and stronger. And your ideas around the card get stronger and stronger. Mm. It's just like learning a new language a bit. This I might, find. This might sound like a dumb question. Is drawing the death card necessarily a frightening thing? Absolutely not, I think, in my opinion. Mm. It's one, I think it's one of the most hopeful cards the image on the death card is like uh, death on horseback killing the king, queen, and prince. Hmm. And it's like end of a battlefield. But I think the common interpretation is like, okay, well, sometimes in order to move on, to advance, to become a different person, which is inevitable, you have to leave some things behind. You have to you have to kill them. You have to like, okay, I'm going to stop smoking. That's going to be the death card. Or like, I'm going to... You, you know, there's like a certain amount of sacrifice that you have to make as a human being at some point in order to advance. Maybe not advance, but like grow, you know? Yeah. So, okay, you're saying that despite the invocation of death mm-hmm. and uh, symbolism here like uh, midheaven, heaven is each other. As above, so below, which also, for me, I know, sorry, I, I feel like that's a reference. I, I, it made me think of heaven and hell um, mm-hmm. as well. But, that's a, but that's a phrase. What is that from again? I'm blanking myself. Uh, I want to say Thelema, sort of like, yeah, Kabbalistic okay. ideas of a mirroring effect of the spiritual world and the physical world. Right. I appreciate this. So when I asked about death, interestingly, you suggested it was potentially one of the most optimistic cards to draw. Is that correct? 
that is what I said. I, yeah. I, I will, like, backtrack a bit and say, like, it doesn't mean it's not sad. Like, it doesn't sure. mean that there, it's not hard or, you know, gut-wrenching. But it is Well, there's, pro- there's promise in it. Yeah. Yeah, which yeah. is, if there's promise, there's hope and optimism. So, if, if I, unless I've misinterpreted what you said in paraphrasing it, there mm-hmm. is... Uh, a, a warmth and optimism <laughs> running through fourth album uh, that I picked up on sonically, and then you've alluded to here in terms of themes, whether they're related or not, in the mm-hmm. titling of each piece. Can we, count, counselor? Can we agree <laughs> on this argument? I think we can agree. I think, I think we're experiencing an as above, so below moment of like (laughs) my experience well on the surface different from yours is in a lot of ways the different the other side of the coin so like there's just a single experience and we're you know flipping from one side to the other for someone to make a record totally by themselves at the at the dawn of a new world Let's put it that way. Like the, the world was changing and you may have made. Yes. Maybe you felt that. I don't know. Um, and the world has changed. It's never going to be the same now that we're as we're speaking right now. Mm-hmm. The fact that you in your next effort sent out a volley, a gesture. I need to be with people. I need to work with others. I want other people on on this record. I want to collaborate again. I don't mean to dwell on it. And maybe you're too close to it. That to me seems obvious that someone is coming from a place of optimism, trying to figure out ways to galvanize some people around a project, a problem, if I may allude to something we dwelt on for, I dwelled on for maybe too long. I'm just saying there's something inherently hopeful about everything here, and that that starts with the cover art, which I feel is, I would love to have this piece you know, hanging in my house, it, it it is it has that darkness, but it also has a tremendous amount of color and brightness and warmth, and I feel like it's a really nice exemplary way of interpreting some of the stuff that's going on sonically. Uh, again, I've gone on and on. Can we agree? Do you dispute what I'm saying? I I, I simply cannot. <laughs> I think you're. <laughs> <laughs> I think the argument you've laid out is irrefutable. <laughs> you've got, and and I also like that in terms of as above and, and so below and, and mirror images, you've got, you know, on some level, in a cynic, well, I don't mean cynically, but in a reductive way, you've got cold synthesis with uh, organic, acoustic, mostly acoustic, mm-hmm. you know, counterpoint, if you will, like uh, other... It's just really a fascinating record in this regard. That's all I'm getting at. It's it is really up, uplifting <laughs> to me, even though when it starts, you know, I was playing it in the in the minivan when I was driving my wife to work today, and she said, "Interesting, interesting record." Oh, and oh. I don't know what that. She was just looking at her phone, and she listens to a lot of the stuff I do. And then as mm-hmm. it got going, I think she was stirred by it as well because maybe oh. strings came in or something like that, and. Um, mm-hmm. All this to say, I think it just it, it it just there's a lot of warm registers here. Is can I put it that way? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. That's like it's funny because like I have absolutely no idea how this record will be received. People seem to be 
enjoying it so far. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it also, like, I feel like a, a total, like, nerd, uh, jerk, self-centered person being like, but there's this idea in my mind, like, I can't really think of anything that sounds close to this. Yeah. Or like, yeah. I don't listen to anything that sounds like this. Yeah. Like, I, I've basically only listened to Stereolab for the past six months. But well, I- <laughs> that that's a fascinating example, though, because when when uh, Lucas's drums come in every once in a while, mixed with the synthetic uh, rhythms, I don't know. I find it sort of moving. Like literally, I'm. I it, it, there's a groove now. All of a sudden, it just feels like a really nice and exemplary sort of sound for now. Like a, a bit of machine Thank man, you. man machine sort of uh, amalgam that uh, has a tastefulness to it. It doesn't feel heavy-handed. Is that a way of putting it? That's very kind of you to say. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. Well, I think we got to some things. I'm sorry if I put you on the spot a few times. Oh, no, that's 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 your job, right? It is, but I'm also, <laughs> I, I sometimes have a, this is one of the uh, a record that has, I, I know I'm trying to speak in a very, um, Deliberate and sure-footed way, but it, it has left me a little unsteady. Like, what is this? Um, mm-hmm. As I've listened to it, and as I've listened to it more and more, it's getting to me on an emotional register where I'm trying to, but I'm having trouble articulating the feeling, mm-hmm. um, which I think is a real testament to how great art works. <laughs> I don't I mean, know what it is, but it's definitely profoundly impacting me. If that makes sense. That's wonderful to hear. That's yeah. like, uh, that's, <laughs> I was going to say music to my ear. Uh, <laughs> no, that's like exactly the, the reaction that, that uh, warms my heart. Oh, well, that's, that's nice to hear, too. And I'm glad I could do that for you today. Uh, <laughs> um, so uh, we have alluded to what could happen with this music and your own work live. Do you have plans to play shows or anything like that? Yeah. <laughs> there's like uh okay i i how much time do we have like i i feel like i need to come clean <laughs> i i just dropped the ball on booking a release show so um i'm still kind of scrambling oh to put something together oh okay i might might be in december might be in november hmm. might actually like the release date is october 20th so hopefully somewhere around then uh but yeah uh there will be future Marcus Floats performances. Right now you're concentrating on a single show. Yeah, yeah. basically. Yeah. yeah. And again, no tours or anything again, if I may, and I don't mean to ask you to spill any beans, do you mm-hmm. think it would involve your friends in the Egyptian Cotton Orchestra? Yes. Excellent. We have spilled <laughs> we have spilled some beans. Okay, great. And this, beans have been spilled. This is a Montreal-based grouping, a group as well, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. okay. So a hometown celebration, and then maybe that will teach you all about whether or not you could take it on the road in some capacity. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Good. This is good. I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm answering your questions for you today, and uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> this is, happens to me sometimes, but I don't mean to be untoward. Okay, so uh, in terms of current, like, so this record is, is going to be out uh, shortly mm-hmm. as we're speaking, and that's great. Have you begun working on new music? Mm, barely, I would say. Yeah, I think that's an accurate description of my current 
output. Okay. Barely. Maybe like once a week, I'll like sit down and play on a keyboard for an hour. That's... But mostly I'm just at work nine to five. Right. Okay. So maybe in that <laughs> you earlier, you talked about how there can be some lulls in your work schedule. So maybe that's when you dedicate your time to music making. Um, yeah. Let's say that. <laughs> <laughs> maybe not. Maybe not a fixed plan. Again, I'm sorry. I'm trying to answer questions that uh, before I ask them. No. I, yeah. I I I I feel like I'm uh, uh, not answering questions the way they should be answered. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I think you're doing just I fine. Did it again. Yeah. No, you're doing you're doing just fine. Okay. If people want to learn more about you um, mm-hmm. and this record, I do know that uh, again to answer a question. That I'm asking. Uh, CSTRecords.com is one destination. Where else would you like to send them uh, to learn more about Marcus Floats? Um, I have an Instagram. It's Marcus Floats on Instagram. You can find me on Bandcamp. Uh, I'm on all the platforms Spotify, Apple Music, all the ones that we hate. Yep. Uh, but I would suggest Bandcamp uh, or I'm also on SoundCloud. I, I post a lot of demos on SoundCloud, oh. so if you want to get stuff that's unreleased, that's kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I'm on the internet. Google. It's okay, Google. yes, you are. You're definitely <laughs> on the internet. That's great. Um, okay, so if we can go out on a song uh, to mm-hmm. give people a little sense of what uh, fourth album might be about. I know we have tried to here our, in our own words, but if we can play a piece, uh, can you choose one for us, Marcus, and, and tell us why it came to mind? Uh, I would like you to play... C, uh, featuring the voice of Fred Moten, because it features mm-hmm. all the instruments and all the players and the sample that we talked about earlier. And mm-hmm. I feel like kind of at the same as the last track on the third album, this last track is a nice little like wrapping up of the rest of the album. Right. Okay. And and just so people understand, how rare is it for you to incorporate uh, a vocal of any kind in a Marcus Floats context? Quite rare. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, re- I released uh, a single, which was uh, an extended excerpt of from Karl Marx's Capital. But yeah, that's pretty much the only vocal thing I've used in my recorded output. Right, so this is this is a bit of an anomaly, but we did spend a lot of time talking about it, and it is, uh, I think, as Marcus says, um, yeah, it captures the record in a lot of ways in one piece. So, yeah, let's. Sorry, I'm babbling. This is C from fourth album by Marcus Floats. It features Fred Moten. Marcus, thank you so much for uh, returning to this show. I hope uh, you enjoyed yourself and that this mm-hmm. gave you things to think about and uh, that we speak again soon. Best of luck in the future. Thank you very much. Truly a pleasure. All the best to you and yours. So, well, in my mind, I'm just, I want to run it through from the whole range of possible permutations of the phrase, figure it out. So Work it out. Get out. Get out of it. Figure our way out of it. off with a kind of attention to a certain sound. 
this thing where you kind of well, figure, okay, we is who we are. let's get together to see how we can figure it out. Let's get together to see how we can work it out. Let's get together to see how we can get out of this. been trying to figure out how to get to is how we are when we get together to try to figure it out. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too. Like finding the right therapist, 
fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. That's very nice to reconnect with Marcus Floats. This time for the 810th episode of Creative Control, which is part of the Entertainment One podcast network and uh, is available just about wherever it is. People like you get your podcasts. If you can't find an episode that you've heard about and you're looking for it, or if you want to learn more about me personally and sign up for my monthly newsletter, please visit vishkana.com. You can also like Creative Control with Vishkana on Facebook. We have a page on that social media platform. You can also follow the show on Twitter at Vish Creative, or you can follow me directly on Twitter and on Instagram at Vishkana. I'm also on uh, Blue Sky and Threads and TikTok, and there's a YouTube channel for the show. Uh, Whatever it is you probably are looking for, Creative Control is either on that thing or obtained some sort of address, So, or, or I did, I guess, me personally. So just try to find me if you want. Speaking of such things, please visit patreon.com slash creativecontrol to make a flexible monthly donation to keep this show going. I love doing this show, uh, but it is not a lucrative enterprise. In fact, it's not even a viable one, if I really think about it. I have to keep day jobs and other streams of income coming in to support work like this. But this is the work I really love. And if you have the means and the desire to support this work, you can by heading over to the Patreon page I've made. It's a modest one, but darn it, it'd be great if I could just make this show and not have to worry about uh, other things, but that's probably not ever going to happen. That's fine. Anyway, now I sound like I'm pleading and begging. Listen, $6 American or more a month grants you access to some exclusive content on the Patreon page, and uh, you get episodes earlier than everybody else. And if you're interested in receiving a Creative Control t-shirt, just message me on Patreon after you've made your donation, and I'll get you one while supplies last. Thank you so much for even listening to me talk about this. It's it's awkward to have to ask people to give you money for things you make, but uh, such as capitalism? I don't know what I'm talking about. Anyway, patreon.com slash creativecontrol. Thank you so much. Also want to thank uh, Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, Ontario, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario, for their in-kind support for this show. Also want to thank Jim Guthrie. Uh, you can learn more about Jim and his music, which he provides to me on this show. You can learn more about it, that stuff at jimguthrie.org. And finally, thank you for listening to this episode with Marcus Floats. I hope you'll check out Fourth Album and all of Marcus's work. I have some links on the show notes, so click on those. Otherwise, please subscribe to Creative Control or follow it and tell your friends all about it, and maybe they'll do the same. I will talk to you very soon. Be well. Bye for now. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.